Do you believe in democracy? Do you think a government should be accountable to its people? How often should the people be asked on any given subject? How large an area should be affected? A street, a district, a town, a county, a region, a country, a continent, a planet? Or should there just be a democracy of one, the individual? Joining me today is the senior fellow from the Institute of Sounding Board Ideas, Andrew Elliott. Hello. So, do you think a government should be accountable to its people? Oh, so, so define accountable. How, what you know? What does what does that mean? Does that mean accountable every five years in a general election? Does that mean that the people can get rid of them sooner if they want to? Individual politicians or parties? Or that's a that's a good question. But I think we need to define what that means. So when I also said how often should the people be asked on a given subject, so you started talking about that, should it be every five years? So this, if it's this, not this... a given subject, is it just the entire government each time? We also have a representative democracy whereby we actually elect uh, individual members of parliament locally who so, then collectively so, become a government. So representative democracy isn't really democracy either, is it? So we elect the people who make the decisions. Yes. That's so it's more like a republic. It is. It's, it's certainly closer, I would, I would say. The, some of the points I'm making with these questions are that it's complicated. Uh, and that it, it, the term democracy, making something democratic and saying, well, this is just democracy, is used by a lot of people incorrectly, and certainly by politicians, I would say, uh, in order to just justify why they're doing something. Well, it's democracy, isn't it? You know, whether it's getting the local m members of a of a, a Labour, the Labour Party to uh, vote to remove their MP or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's just democracy. Are you, Are you afraid of democracy? To, to position people as against something that's considered democratic. Well, but the momentum have been doing that. And that's what momentum have been with, doing. With, uh, you know, the, the moderate MPs that they don't like. Yes, exactly. And... And as soon as you say, well, you're just scared of democracy, then, then it, it puts people on the defensive. But it really does depend on any number of things. And the, the... Well, so it's interesting you mentioned how, how long should we, you know, should we wait. Yes. I, I, so you probably remember I wrote a post about this recently, um, specifically about the, you know, the people's vote, the loser's vote. The loser's vote. You know, the, the second referendum and how long should we wait? Because that's the argument that Remainers are making. Well, it's just, yes. you, 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 I, thought you want, I thought you wanted democracy. Are you against democracy? Let's have it again. Yeah. Yeah, but let's my, have more democracy. Exactly. So, to, I mean, so I've, I've got, I guess I've got two arguments. One is you're a bit late to the democracy game yes. because we had to wait 41 years, was Something it? Something like that. I think that. it was 41 years before we had a, had a say, you know, longer than... Well, and I was alive. I was going to say this is the you know for for us we it's, didn't it's our we, first, we couldn't have yeah. taken part yeah. Um, so it's our first Brexit referendum, and secondly, should you should you not at least Im be able to implement the decision of the you know particularly when it's when it when it it is a reversible decision we could yeah, feasibly yeah. I don't think we should but we could feasibly join the EU again or change terms with the EU in the future yeah we you know we we have a treaty they're not binding. Uh, or you know, you certainly shouldn't. You know, you, you cannot bind your successor as, as a government. So we can change treaties. This is the argument about any law. Any law exactly. can be changed. Exactly. Any law can be repealed. Any law can be extended. So we should, in my opinion, at least implement the decision of the people. And I think, in my opinion, we should get we should give it a good go as well. Because mm. if if government set a precedent, so we're in the unique position at the moment where we've got a government filled with Remainers, and they are the decision makers. Even when we had a few Brexiteers in the cabinet, in yep. positions of authority, supposedly, the supposed power here, yeah. um, that was then stripped away from them. And it, as it turned out, they didn't have any, even have any power in, in the first place, because mm -hmm. there were these other backroom boys who were, you know, writing other papers and other deals. Yeah. So we're, we're in a situation where we've got a government who believes in the EU, who believes in remaining, implementing the decision. If we let them screw it up and have another another referendum pretty soon afterwards, 
what what does that mean for the future? That means that they can just ask the country anything, implement it badly, implement it badly, and get the country to make another decision. Whereas I think we should say no. You ask the country to make this decision. We've made the decision, and you need to make a good go of it because we're you know we're not we're going to hold you to task on this. Yeah. So I think you know maybe ten years I think is a reasonable amount of time because it's going to take a while to effectively leave to see the results, and I don't I don't want the next government to be able to hold a referendum. I want them to, 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 to be forced to make a go of it so that the government afterwards can perhaps hold a referendum. Yes, if you're talking, let's just assume you're talking five-year terms here. Yes, exactly. Because obviously exactly. they're from 2015 to 2017. It was just because Theresa May had a walking holiday uh, and decided to ruin everything. <laughs> or certainly ruin everything for the Tory party. Yeah. Um, uh, let's put it that way. Well, I, d- I don't. I don't want this. We we talk enough about Brexit, and it is the issue of our time. But I I don't want this to be all about the EU referendum. And, and I I really liked your blog post and the the, it was the just, point. Yeah, it was just an example. The the point I I really wanted to get across, which you did in uh, in your blog post, was this daft argument of well, there's new facts that emerged. There's what? new information. There's new information. We didn't know these things then and we know them now and you nailed that perfectly which is of course every time you wake up in the morning you know a bit more than you did the day before so that 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 will be an argument for never having another referendum because we'll just wait until we know a bit more information you need to draw a line in the sand at some point and say this is where we are and so you're trying to make what you just said there is let's let's think about a practical amount of time that we could put in there 10 or 15 years two or three parliaments whereby because of the because of the the scale of the changes and the fact that you wouldn't even be able to see the results of those changes for some time you need it to be you need it to be long you need and we could have long. so we could have so in in situations like britain's relationship with the eu assuming it's going to be around in you know 30 or 50 years time or whatever yeah we could we could implement a system where it is actually far easier to join and, and to, to leave, leave yes. so that potentially we can have referendums every 15 years. And if it's easy to, 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 to join and to leave again, where's, where's the problem? Yeah, I must admit, that's Particularly if we point. had, so if we had, if we had, I know there's, yeah, there's obviously talk, a lot of talk at the moment about the Chequers deal, um, and obviously mm-hmm. Remainers want to stay in, um, and then we could crash out. You mean leave? <sighs> that's, yes. That's, it's just a spin. It's just all spin. Of course yeah. it is. So we could leave with no deal. Did we crash in? Well, it's, it's yeah. I, I think we're jumping out of the car before it crashes, personally. Well, yeah. But we could we could leave with no deal, or we could have something like the Norway option as a uh, as a staging post. Is that what you're kind of getting well, at? For me, it would be it, yeah. It would be yeah. like an interim period. But yeah, to be honest, it's better than the Chequers deal. So yes, so, uh, yes, yeah. If if our listener doesn't know that the uh, the Norway option. Is, so it is staying in the single market, single market but not the customs union. But importantly, it's not the customs union. Yeah. And we're free to make our own trade deals. Yeah. Now, I don't like staying in the single market, not because I don't like free trade with all other European countries, but I don't like the amount of legislation and all the regulation that comes with it. But if we're just going to copy that anyway... Well, it's the four freedoms, so it's so-called freedoms, yes. isn't it? That you are bound by all of them all of the time. Uh, and that by being bound to them within that particular club, it restricts you from doing stuff outside of that club. So we would be able to strike trade deals, but actually we'd still be bound by the standards set on our products by... We would, and this is yeah. why, but this this is why it's like an inter, inter intermediate yes. inter, interim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've period. heard this argument before. Many have made it. Daniel Hannan's made it. Um, even Nigel Farage has said that the best, the easiest thing we could do is stay in the EEA. And again, just, just just because all these things are so confusing, the European Economic Area is what Norway is in. Technically, well, my understanding is that we are in it as well. The, but the point is, is that there are all of the uh, EU well, there are so many are layers, it. aren't there? Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and well, and the, the, even just talking about the different institutions of the EU and how they how they relate is, is a massive, massive topic. But yeah, staying in that in that particular slightly outside ring of the EU um, would be better than we are now. It could be a very easy staging post to take the time to do all the other removing of us from other. I mean, I would I would have EU. been I probably would have been happier if they'd have said if David Cameron would have said if you vote to leave the EU. We are going to go to the EU with the Norway option 
and it is our plan to have that for three years, for example, while yeah. we decide yes. something else. Yes. Yeah. So we could have got, we could have slotted straight in. Yeah. We could have handed in Article Fifty immediately. Yeah. Left within six months, probably. Um, uh, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult one. Obviously, it's politics, and I and I and I get that. Um, and what was I just saying about not talking about the uh, EU referendum? I, I was just thinking of the same uh, thing. But, but, <laughs> but there, the, the timing is an important point, I think, um, and I'm sure that's why Theresa May called. Uh, the election when she did as well oh, other than the fact that she saw the polls and thought they would stay with her uh, and she thought she'd win with an absolute landslide um, but this idea that there is a time limit on doing the deal um, even though there's not because what we're saying is we're agreed to a they call it a transition period they just mean delay well, it's staying in the EU, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a delay. What, what will happen is certain bits will happen later than that date. It's a, it's a delay. It might not be a uniform delay on everything, but it is a period of delay. But it, it does at least set up a, we, you know, everything will be done by this date. My, my concern with how you would, would, would do the Article 50 if you were going into the EEA would be then saying, would it not be easier for a politician to say, and then we'll just start negotiating on, a, on, on trade deals and this, that, and the other one, and we'll see how we go. And then you potentially are in that never-ending period where, well, we're going to stay, well, it's still not right for us to leave the EEA yet because we still haven't quite got the deal we want. Well, we'll take it, we want to get this right. We want to take our time. We're going to, dis, we're going to really negotiate this with the EU. And then by, by the time you, you got to 10 years, because this is how long the EU normally takes to do trade deals with anyone. It's 10 plus years. You're still where you are. Yes, it's better than just being in the EU completely. But they've been let off the hook by dragging their feet. But you could put a, so you could put a time limit on it. Of say, you know, say five years, for example. And hopefully by that time, we've got a lot more other trade deals yes, going and this on. Is, and this is and, we're, and we, can, yeah. we can prove statistically that we're actually trading more with the rest of the world, even though we are already, we are already. than um, the EU. Uh, bringing this back away from uh, the, the, the referendum, or referenda in general, um, and I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of, of referenda. It worked for me in this case. Uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan specifically of going to the people constantly. Uh, what you said before we were recording, you were saying, well, what if you, you know, when every five minutes, what if every single decision was made by the people, you'd be in the polling booth every five minutes. So obviously you can say that's democracy. That is democracy in action. It's democracy at work. You've got to draw the line somewhere, uh, which is where I was asking these questions about, is it a, a, a physical region? Is it a type of... Uh, uh, is it an age group? You know, right now we don't ask children. Huh? Oh, it's not democracy. Then we're not asking all the people. There, obviously, there are lines to be drawn. But what you were saying before about the timescales and being given a chance to implement something—that made me think before. Uh, think, think about something I thought about before, which is, uh, and this is related to the uh, the coalition government coming to power. This is related to the the financial crash, and just in general, a party coming to power after the the other party. I'm I'm just assuming here it's a nice simple two party system. It's obviously not that not that simple, but the well, after the opposition has been in power for a while, and then you're in power, how much chance should you be given? How much time should you be given to try and sort it out? Now when 2007-2008 financial crisis, in quotes, happened. Major, major shocks to the financial system. We can argue as much as we like about what was right and what was wrong about what was being done, whether that was caused by too much regulation, too little regulation, um, you know, you know, regulators being asleep at the wheel, what, whatever. But it was a big hit. It was a big hit to the economy uh, and, uh, and it affected um, a number of businesses, etc., etc., etc. I remember at the time thinking, right, obviously Gordon Brown is going gonna, is gonna to eke this out for as long as he He's not going to call an election now. I, ironically, it would have been better had he done that. He, he should have called it there and then and said, oh, I have the plan to fix this. And so we're going to do it in an election right now. There were other arguments that you should have come to some kind of national unity government or something because it was a national crisis, a bit like the war, whatever. But I remember thinking there and then, when, when finally the other side does win which, you know, at the time I hoped they did. And, you know, there's a nuanced argument there about what was right and what was wrong. But 
I remember thinking, this is going to take decades to sort out. This problem is so bad, this isn't going to be fixed in four or five years. This, is, this probably isn't going to be fixed in four or five terms. And yet, what the opposition would do, the, you know, the government, uh, Labour now being the opposition, will say, well, I've got to see what's happening in five years then. Let's see how it goes in five years. See how good you do it. Oh, look. Oh, look, we're only this far out of the crisis. In five, you've had five years to do it. Knowing that they'd probably lose again, it would then be ten years. But you can start saying that's a whole decade. The lost decade. Now, this is politics. I get that. You can make arguments about this in any way you like. But how long should you be given to have a go at things? <laughs> what you said there about the EU referendum makes sense because it's a big decision. The financial crisis was big. Should there have been some kind of special measure that says... Some kind of super election that uh, gives, well, you, gives you 10 it, or 15 years to try and do something? Your word's not mine, but th this is what I'm kind of I'm getting not, I'm at. not advocating that, by the way, but that's just... A, it's an interesting it's an, it's an thing idea. to talk about because when, when there are decisions that take five minutes to implement and others that take 50 years to implement, then where do you go? You could, there could be a really good idea let's let's say that the electorate flip-flopped every five years between two opposing parties and one of them had a really good idea and they only get halfway going in the five years and they can't quite get it to start delivering results but it will but only in the long term go back to the other side again they undo it all again and then every five years every ten years it starts to be um, implemented and then gets undone again but hasn't that hasn't that been happening already so, you know, um, tradi traditionally, Labour governments screw up economically yeah. and leave the country in, you know, maybe not chaos, but they don't leave it in a good state. Conservatives come in um, and... Are more fiscally you know, responsible. They're, they're, they're more fiscally responsible yeah. And, yeah. They, and they tend to, you know, at least try and sort stuff out and, and stuff ends up in a better place than it was when they, when they, when they yes. inherited it. Because they always inherit bad economies. They always leave them better. Yes. Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't agree with a lot of what the Tories do, but they do tend to be more fiscally responsible than Labour. Yes. They, 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 they come in and they, they sort stuff out. And but I think we should be clear. Time, forget ideology. That's just what happens. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can say whether they're doing it because they want to, because they hate the poor, or you can say they want to do it because they believe in smaller government. But the point is they do end up with the finances in a better state. So my point is that by the time they've kind of started to, you know, to, to, to implement these slightly better policy decisions and get the economy back on track, yeah. they only ever really get to the point where it's kind of getting better, the country gets bored, they vote in a Labour government, and then the same thing happens again, and it happens yes. again, it happens in the 70s. It happens in, you know. The electorate gets bored. That, I, like, I like that phrase. I, I, I believe that in 1997... The, the electorate had been worn down by uh, what they considered to be a long time with the Conservative Party in power. John Major, who had... I mean, he'd only just won the previous election. I mean, he defied all the odds and the pundits and it was only when the exit polls came out, all of this. And so, so he had a lot... Just to interrupt you quickly, he had... I think he had... Didn't he still have the greatest... He, he, I think he got yes, more votes than Thatcher because it was a massive, was a massive, massive turnout. Well, this is it? similar again with Theresa May uh, recently. Um, she got more than Thatcher did in mm. the 83 election or whatever. And ridiculous number of votes because the turnout was high. But obviously, it's not about not all about turnout. In fact, it's not about turnout at all. It's about proportion and it's about number of seats and it's about votes in certain places. What the point I was making was that in 97, yes, you had the you know, back to basics and the uh, Tory sleaze and all, all, of, all of that stuff. And to be honest, you get that. You get that in any, in any government. I mean, there was maybe a bit of a concentration there, but at that point, I'm sure uh, the Labour Party was just digging up as much as they possibly could just to try and you know, throw as much fuel on the fire. But at that point, and, and it continued afterwards, and again, uh, we've said this before, we'd like to clarify that the first term of the Labour government, they basically matched the Tory spending plans and that was part of them gaining, trying to regain economic credibility in the eyes of the electorate. But the electorate was calling out for spending. R rightly or wrongly, they were ready for new schools, new hospitals. They, they couldn't care less where that money came from. And it's, it's like there is this repeating cycle of remembering who pays for it and just going, I don't care anymore. Can you just build me a new road? 
And I think that the the that the electorate, you know, very much believed that uh, you know, in those certainly that the, the Blair years uh, or the first part of the Blair years, uh, the first half at least of that of that government, uh, that they were they they were crying out for some spending. And they went, ah, yes, excellent. Look, I can see it happening. I can see that new road. I can see that new hospital. I can see that new school. Not knowing the economics that were behind it, which is actually borrowing money from the future or doing a deal with the private sector in such a way that just creates this massive, massive long-term debt. If they knew that that school by the time they'd finished paying for it would cost 10 times the amount that it should have cost or that hospital or whatever, whatever, whatever. Then I think they'd be outraged. Um, but at the time, they wanted spending. And by the by 2010 and a financial crisis hitting it home, they realised that, hey, a minute, money comes from somewhere. So I need to vote in a party or parties that uh, believe in spending less and that we need to get things under control again. I fear that the uh, and and obviously the the the, the Labour Party are banking on this now that uh, there will be well I think they're banking on Brexit fatigue as well so it's even more strange circumstances now but they are banking on um, what they would call austerity fatigue maybe and uh, no 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 Tory uses the term austerity I'm sure it's an absolutely banned word in number 10 uh, and in the Conservative Party interestingly um, William Hague used it in an article in the last week he did it in quotes <laughs> or so-called or something like that but he used the term austerity that if we just bang on about it enough and 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 some and some people are disadvantaged by the the, the lack of spending then people get bored and they'll come back to us again Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast aggregator and visit soundingboard.com for previous episodes and our blog. We've talked for quite some time now about democracy, but I wonder, Nick, if you wanted to describe the system we have here in the UK for most things. So obviously we've had a referendum on Brexit in the last Which couple of years. Which was a rarity. We don't often have. Actually, we've had a bit we of had, we had a, we had a We had a couple. So we had the AV referendum. Obviously, Scotland had their independence referendum. So that one was a, cha- a, a vote on the change of voting system or the way that votes are counted. It was. Uh, oh, God, we could do an entire edition on on the different types of voting systems. But for the, the vast majority of decisions that are made, laws that are passed, etc., uh, we don't vote democratically for yes. that. So we have, in this country, a constitutional monarchy, but it is representative democracy. So we vote for the people who make the laws and make the decisions. We don't make the laws and decisions ourselves. So uh, one could argue a true democracy is where we are asked, the people, but every time there needs to be a decision made. Now, you don't get asked, you know, what type of decisions to make or anything like that but then this is where you start getting into a bit there's of a, a always trap. going to be an arbitrary line yes with democracy it, exactly but uh, the system we have in the uk is that we vote for people who then represent us locally so there is a region involved and it is our uh, there these are the constituency boundaries so they don't actually even match up particularly to uh, towns conurbations uh, counties whatever uh, and in fact, right now we're going through uh, uh, the Boundary Commission are going through changes to them in order to try and reduce the number of MPs from about 650 to about 600, something, I think, I think something like that. Um, and, and they're trying they're trying to make it a little bit more fair because it's, it, it, depending on the number of voters, because obviously there, you know, there are lots of kind of inner city boroughs of, of London which don't. What have, happens is over time, voters over over time, uh, people. Tend and this is just this is just the way the stats bear out. People tend over time as they get older to move out of uh, inner city areas uh, because they become more affluent uh, and they can afford to live in in the country or in more rural settings. And as they do that, they tend to swing from uh, from being Labour voters to being Conservative voters in the same time. And there are all sorts of reasons behind that. But the way that that works, and because of this, there is a different density, as you said, the population densities vary between inner city areas and rural areas or suburban areas. Uh, what it tends to mean is 
that with the if the constituencies say at the same sizes that they are over a period of time or a long period of time that it takes less votes to vote in a Labour MP than it does to vote in a Conservative MP. And again, this is simplifying it between just a two to the two main parties. Uh, but there's a term that uh, that a listener may or may not have heard of uh, called gerrymandering. It's a it's a it's a lovely word. It's a brilliant. I, it's one I of my favourite it. words. It's great gerrymandering, and I, and I and I love it when they they shout it across the house of Commons. Gerrymandering. When uh, when they're it's discussing like filibuster, it's one of these it's great, one of these great political terms. Yes, agreed. Gerrymandering. I'm going to say it again. And uh, th- this is this is where the the system is rigged. Uh, it, it, it is a rigging of the voting system uh, in favour of one particular party. And you could absolutely argue, I think, very very compellingly that the the, the way the constituency boundaries are at the moment, uh, it is gerrymandered. Uh, in favour of it, it takes less votes to vote in a Labour government. It, it is that simple. Uh, and actually, the, the Tories have been trying to get this boundary change in since 2010 uh, when they came in, uh, and it had to get, uh, get shelved various times uh, because they were in coalition with the Lib Dems. Because, in fact, am I right in saying that it was because the, the, the last reason it got canned uh, was because. The uh, the Tories voted down the Lords reforms that the Lib Dems. I, I think it was. I and think it was, was a tit for the Lords, tat. Lords reform. Yeah, it was. A, it was a tit for tat um, uh, exchange there of of well, if you're going to vote that down, we're not going to let you do the boundary review. God, we could talk about the House of Lords, couldn't we? So what we're talking about here is the members of the Houses of the House of Commons, uh, but we have an upper chamber, which is the House of Lords. Now that has changed how the people get into that quite dramatically actually uh, since Tony Blair got in uh, got in government and now it's full of appointees rather than full of people who are only there by birth <laughs> well, so so you, you get you've got both but so yeah, 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 absolutely. You've got, you've got, you've got people who swung the other way. It now. did. So you've got you've got people who are but born into it. Nobody has ever been elected to the House of Lords. No, so you get people who are born into it, you get people yep. who are appointed and you get bishops who are there. <laughs> Yes, and the the law lords are they? They're probably just appointees, are they? But well, in fact, no. They used to be the law lords. We now have a we now have a supreme court. We do, we do. I hated that. I I, I like hanging on to the things that make us British or English or you know, whatever whatever term you want to use. But when when they decided to get rid of the law lords and have a supreme court, and all they did was take the actual law lords and make them into a supreme court, I felt we lost something. We lost something about our system. Because we're not America. Our executive is part of our legislature. In the US and in some other presidential systems, it's not the same. You go to France, you have, you have an executive, the, and by executive uh, I, I mean government, and that includes you know, the people we have as our secretaries of state, the people running the departments. Uh, that's the government. Those are the people who run those departments, who, in quotes, run the country. In this country, those people are part of one of those um, houses in Parliament. They are either um, uh, uh, members of the House of Commons or members of the House of Lords. They tend to be MPs because it's kind of frowned upon if too many of them are actually members of the House of Lords. Whereas in the US, uh, the, the, the president is elected, and actually they have an electoral college system to get that elected, but basically speaking, you vote for a president and you vote for your uh, uh, congressman, like your MPs. But the government isn't chosen from those. Over here it is. So it's quite a different system. We choose the people in our constituencies. They make up a party. They make up a majority. That's the party in power. And then some of those are appointed by the person who commands the, the, the will of the House of Commons, i.e. the Prime Minister. And they're the people who make decisions. So Britain is split up into 650 constituencies uh, on the same day, on election day, normally a Thursday in May sometime, everybody votes. Uh, our constituency, for example, North West Cambridgeshire, second biggest in the country, I believe. Yeah, that's right, after the Isle of Wight. Yep, for, by population, not by, by size. Yep, by population. Yep. So we will vote and all our votes in North West Cambridgeshire will be counted together 
and we will elect an MP based on who has the largest number of votes. So it doesn't have to get past 50%, it just has to be the largest number of votes. That will be our MP. That happens all across the country and then we'll end up with 650 MPs. Hopefully one party will have a majority uh, and they will elect a, a Prime Minister. And that is about getting past 50% in terms of commanding a majority, like 50% of MPs, isn't it? Yeah, for a majority government. You, yes. can, ha- you can have a minority government or you can have a coalition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These things are less likely with first-past-the-post. Yeah. Um, Albeit we're currently experiencing a minority government. We are. One with a confidence of supply agreement with the Democratic Unionist Party from Northern Ireland. And we also experienced a coalition in 2010. There was also, it wasn't a coalition, was it in the 70s? It was again, it was a minority. pact. Yeah, the Lib Lab Lab Pact. Yes, I mean, this is before our time, but the Lib Lab Pact happened in the 70s. So, so with you could politicians, say anything can happen, yeah. but it's, it's less likely. If you go to, if you look yeah. at other European countries like Belgium, who really struggle to get any kind of a government oh, going. Oh, they do, yeah. Which, and we can have a discussion at another time whether that's a good or a bad thing. Yep. Uh, Germany, always coalitions. Yep. Um, you know, you look at the, the number of votes that Angela oh, Merkel's... Well, well she, yeah. tends, she holds together a good three or so parties. Well, they've, they've, they've often had, I think they've had four or five before, yeah. haven't they, yeah. in, in their coalitions. Um, and they take a while to form the coalitions each time, because obviously it depends on the, the changes in the proportions between those parties on a particular vote. But yeah, but so that, that's our system, first past the post. Uh, you know, there, are, there are other systems, we'll go into that another day. The, the most common that people talk about is proportional representation, where all the votes over are accounted and then MPs are divvied up. Normally by by region, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you know, you you would you first past the post is sold, so that it gives you like a, a stronger government, and it tends to, it tries to weed out the extremists. Yes, um, and so this is where the the Liberal Democrats, um, who have been the third party in our system now uh, since the early eighties, when they basically split up from. The Labour Party and what was what remained of the Liberal Party, um, they until recently had, oh, it was sixty uh, odd MPs or something, wasn't it? It was, it was a decent, was. a decent amount as a third party. Uh, they got decimated in the twenty fifteen election for all sorts of political reasons. But the the point was is that they had you, you need to convince a, the, a, a greater number of people than the other people voting for the other parties in a constituency to get one MP. And then you need to repeat that over a large area. But if you only have uh, appeal nationally and they could have the same number of votes as they had with those 60 MPs, but spread nationally over all the constituencies and not have a single MP. So what this system actually does is encourage you if you're trying to break into the, um, the House of Commons as a, a mainstream party is it, it makes you concentrate on particular small areas and then win them over one by one and, it, and that obviously takes an awful lot of work these days with media coverage and the internet and whatever you can just shout quite loudly and be, be recognised as a, as a name as a party as a brand or whatever and you know UKIP have done that yet UKIP haven't really truly ever had any of their own members of parliament, I would say. There's been some defections. And Carswell won his by-election. But he was a toy. To find me someone who wasn't already a member of parliament for another party. Because it kind of doesn't, doesn't count, I don't I mean, I, I will, so I'll agree with you in, in that his constituents were voting for him. See, he, he, yes. he took on a marginal seat turned it into a ten or 15,000 majority over a number of years. Exactly, exactly. Everyone in Clacton loves him. Yeah. Um, and they were voting for him. He could, have, he could have been an independent or any party that have, that have voted for him. Yeah. Um, Where is he now, honestly? There's certain people who basically just quit and left after the referendum on leaving the European Union, thinking job done, when clearly two years later there was quite a bit of work to do. It it would be it would be nice to hear more from him. Um, I mean, he wrote his book obviously yeah. recently, um, but I think he'd probably had enough. And yeah, thanks. Well, we've had enough now of the Brexit negotiations, but 
Anyway, I suppose you don't have to be in Parliament to have a voice, which is clearly what someone like Nigel Farage, who has, you know, however many times he's failed to become MP, everyone knows Seven, who he is. I think. <laughs> Something like that, isn't it? And that's it's probably a similar number of times that he's been leader of the party as well. But you can obviously have a voice outside of Parliament. You can lead a party outside of Parliament. Um, the uh, what, what I find interesting is because of the way uh, Scottish politics is, we talk about having uh, a two-party system and then there was this third party, the Lib Dems, but actually they got supplanted by the Scottish National Party as the third largest party in uh, the House of Commons. And the leader of the Scottish National Party, who is the First Minister of Scotland because the SNP won the Scottish Parliament elections, which is different to the national British Parliament, thought the general election was out there on the campaign trail, I am the leader of this party, in debates, uh, yeah, interviews, all of this, didn't run to be a member of Parliament, so was never going to be in our House of Commons, and then you end up with someone else who kind of leads the party in Westminster, yet you've got your national leader. I, I, th things have changed quite a bit. It's not as simple anymore, is it? Because there's been this devolution. I suppose what we haven't talked about is the, is the devolution of power down to the Scottish Parliament and also to the Welsh Assembly. I love that theirs is called the Welsh Assembly. It's not a Welsh Parliament. It's like it's like well, they're not a proper like, country. Are they? Just a principality. Yeah. Technically, so <laughs> they will, can, they can, will, they have a, can they have a Parliament? Maybe that's why it was. Maybe the maybe maybe that's why. They're, theirs is kind of the the margarine Parliament, isn't it? <laughs> but there are these other elected representatives. Uh, are they are they Scot Are they called S? No, they can't, I can't be called SMPs. Are they? Well, what are they? What are these Scottish members of Parliament called? MSPs. That's, sorry, that's it. Isn't it? It's a member of the Scottish Parliament. But then you've got, um, I think they're called AMs, aren't they? The Welsh ones? Oh, I can't remember. But it's just, there's too many levels now and there's too many ways of being represented. Well, this is my opinion. My opinion is that there, there, we now have, I think, too many of these regional assemblies or parliaments and it starts getting confusing. And I suppose the question I have now is, well, how much is too much democracy? If, if you're in Scotland, so this is different from where we are now because we don't have this. In Scotland, you can vote in your member of the Scottish Parliament and your member of the Westminster Parliament. But how does, how does that work? And what, what, what happens if you vote for the Lib Dems in one and the Tories in another or the, or the, or the Nats in one and Labour on the other? It's all just a bit complicated, isn't it? It is a bit complicated, but I think that system is, I don't know, it just, it just strikes me as being a, something that's tried to be a compromise to keep everybody happy. And actually nobody's happy. Just overcomplicating things and, and, no, and nobody's really happy. Yeah. You know, if, if, you had a, if you had the Scottish Parliament and they had proper power um, and they were separate from England and Wales, um, that system would probably work well. They're, they're trying to do the best of both worlds at the moment. But it's, this is a fudge for a non-federalist state. It is, isn't it? Uh, I must admit, I I have I have some sympathy for the for the arguments over making us into a proper federal system, because at least then it would be it would be consistent and it would be even across the nations that make up the UK. Everyone would kind of know where they stood on it, and as you say, there would be. The, 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 all the powers would be devolved to those regions where at the moment the, the, the Scots don't have control over all of the tax raising and uh, powers and all this kind of stuff. It, it, it would be simpler if there was uh, a, maybe a common national defence and foreign policy, but then everything else uh, was devolved. But it's this halfway house, this is fudge, isn't it? That, well, again, this is lots of stuff that the uh, Labour government brought in uh, to try and solve certain problems. Well, they, the Labour, so Labour didn't want to lose Scotland. Yes, um, Labour, Labour realised it. They lost Scotland. Um, you know, they would. If, if, if they would never be able to form a picture. majority government. Exactly. Um, uh, so you know, statistically, over the last however many years, Wales has been entirely red. Yes. Scotland until twenty fifteen, I think, was in, was basically entirely red. Well, and, and this is the interesting. Well, okay, no, mainly right. blue. Right. So you, again, you're talking national. Uh, parliament, aren't you? Because the Scottish National Party have been, they had a minority government, then a major majority government before that, but in the Scottish Parliament. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm talking about the National Parliament. Yeah. But I think Labour gave these 
additional powers yeah. because they wanted to still keep their members of parliament yes. in Westminster. They still yeah. wanted to be Labour. Yeah. That hasn't really worked out for them, though, has it? No, not at all. Not at all. And this is, I suppose, another problem, isn't it? Another observation, anyway, is that when, when governments try to monkey around with a democratic system or to introduce a new level of democracy for something whether it's an entire country like Scotland or police and crime commissioners, they do it for political reasons. And so it will come back to bite them later. Or just a system that has evolved over hundreds, maybe thousands of years, over time, small incremental changes that have either worked um, and carried on or not worked and and they're no longer reversed back. So you've got systems that have stood the test of time and now politicians are monkeying around with them thinking, well, I I know best. Yeah, uh, five ten years down the line, they're, they're backfiring. It turn, turns out to not not quite be the case. And it's yeah. the same. It's the same with you know. It's the same with these political systems. It's the same with law. Obviously, you've got English common law mm. that's evolved over time, set through precedent and through the courts. And now most of the laws either come from bureaucrats in the EU or politicians. You know, just again monkeying around with them. Yeah. We've been talking about half an hour now, I think, about you know the, the various forms of democracy. Uh, we still haven't covered everything, though. We haven't covered uh, everybody else you can vote for, so police and crime commissioners, yeah. local mayors. mayors. There's a lot of them uh, now. Andy Burnham is the is a greater Manchester. Manchester and, yeah, the police and crime commissioners is a thing that, again, the Tories came up with. Yeah, there's a few other localist, localist-type ones, but we haven't talked about... And you the, go the, go the, the other, other way as well, so yeah. MEPs... You know, the European, yeah. European Union is often touted as being democratic, but there are so many layers. So each individual layer, you could argue, is representative democracy. So we get to vote. So, well, we get to vote. Go for go, a, right, talk us through this thing. So go from one end to the other. So we get to vote for our MEPs. Uh, and we do that under a proportional, proportional system. representation first for place. a particular region. So each region will get a, a number of... So we're in like the eastern region and we get a number of MEPs or whatever. Correct, and all of those counted up and then we'll get, get given a number of a number of MEPs but they will, they will be split dependent on how the votes go. Proportionally um, with the parties. Proportionally within this region. Yes. Um, we also get to vote for our MPs, of course, in the general yes. election. And those MPs, I believe, get to choose their commissioner. So there's one commissioner per... State. Is, is that right, or does the commissioner just get chosen by the government in power here? I don't know. Well, I, I, I think it does, but I think, I think it goes through Parliament. So it's it normally, goes through our Parliament. It's normally yes. the government, because the government will have a majority. Yes. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, so we choose... So we, we vote the for the MPs. that choose The MPs person. choose the commissioner, and we get one commissioner in the European Commission. And then there's the, the, the president Juncker at the, at, the, at the top of that. So we've got certainly got layers. And they're chosen by the commissioners. The president's they, chosen by the commissioners. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that might get. I, I think so. I'd have to I'd have to look into it. But even if that's not the case, it's still layer upon layer upon layer. So we've got representative, yeah. representative, representative democracy. Um, so even though each individual bit is like a, a, a I guess you could argue that that representative democracy is a form of democracy. Yes. When you when you take the whole thing into account, it's not really democratic at all. You know, people talk about democracy, but they can mean it's like when you know I would describe myself as being liberal, as I'm sure you. Yes. Would. Yes. Um, but it can mean different things but, to different people. But I, I'm hesitant, and I always feel like I have to explain my position. I'm a proper liberal, like a you know a, a classical liberal. I'm, yeah. I'm not one of these. You know, if you describe yourself as being a liberal in America, and I think it's getting increasingly over, over here. here People think the opposite thing. People will assume you're a socialist or you're a big statist. Yes. So democracy is a bit like that. People can talk about, oh, this is democracy. Well, if you're talking about the European Union, I would I would argue that it isn't. Yeah. Too many layers that is it's it's no longer democratic. Yeah. Well, and there are a number of different institutions that I even struggle to remember their names. I mean, the fact that there is a Council of the European Union and a European Council, and those are different things, but some of them made up by the same people, and they well, have it's, different it's presidents. The, and Judean people's front and the people's front, <laughs> front of the year, isn't it? It's, yes. what, what do they do? Yeah, and so you, you, you said we elect MEPs, members of the European Parliament, but the European Parliament, it certainly appears to me, is a fairly toothless part of the EU, and it's the Commission... The, well, the, the commission, commission where come the power up with is vast, vast majority. Of the commission the is the equivalent of the government, 
whereas the European Parliament is supposedly the, the, the like our House of Commons. And then supposedly, I think, the European Council, which are all of the heads of state, is supposedly like the Senate. I think that's how they kind of broadly wanted it to be. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an odd organisation. You, you can't really you can't argue. really compare the House of Commons. No, you can't with the MEPs because no, the, you can't. the politicians, members of the House of Commons, have far more power uh, than MEPs. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. It's the Commission who have the, the who, who produce the, the the most laws, and you know, the MEPs will you know will vote against them or, or for them or whatever. Would Would you agree with me that um, the the term democracy or, or or democratic and words like that? Are are used far too often to describe something. I don't, th- I don't think you can, you, qualification. You can't know what it means when somebody says democracy. The same yeah. way you, you can't know what they mean when they talk about liberalism. Um, words like progressive. Progressive used to the, the progressives back in the day used to be the anti-government types. Yeah. You know the ones who didn't want the tribalism, didn't want the you know the, the country run by these elite lords. Um, yes. They were the progressives. You know they were they, they were they were the true liberals. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. nowadays, progressive means socialist or, or statist. Yeah. So there are these terms that you you can you can talk about them, but you don't really know what people mean. Well, and I would say that it, to the point where they become meaningless. Yes, um, but because in the public's eyes, democracy is good, without any of the caveats, without describing what the system is, you can just say democracy is good. And you probably won't find many people, if you did a poll, that would say democracy is bad. And so as soon as you can paint whatever thing you're trying to sell or spin as democratic, you are immediately painting anyone against it as anti-democratic and therefore they must be bad. And that, that to me, I mean, certainly the current Labour Party seem to like to do that a lot. They, like to, they, keep, they keep introducing elements that you can call democratic by some measure, like the Labour NEC and the members, of the, or the way that the entire party operates, and saying, well, it's the members. We have this huge membership now in the Labour Party, and if they all have a say, then that's democratic. And, and then Corbyn has come out with, you know, newspaper editors should be elected, and all of, the, all of these things you can just keep saying, but well, it's democracy, so therefore it must be good, mustn't it? And in my eyes, it's, it, hearing a lot of these things is, has made me start to question democracy and not uh, because it's complicated because of the reasons you've just said because there are too many forms of democracy and because no one really talks about whether you should have more of it or less of it whether it should be a large group of people in a larger area and a smaller group in a smaller area it's just an overused term now well so i've got two points on that my, my first is that democracy is always secondary to freedom yes um, you know if, if somebody can do something of their own free will, and it doesn't affect anybody else. Yeah. Then why shouldn't they be allowed to do that? Um, uh, yeah, so, you've said this to me before. Where you know you could get you could get three of you together and say, "Let's do this democratically, shall we?" And as long as two of you agree, yeah, then the other person is... the other person pays for everything. Yeah. For example, <laughs> exactly. um, you're not the richer than us. That's so democracy. We just have it's a just democracy. Yeah. Um, so you know, freedom is is always greater than democracy, and and you can talk about the newspaper editors in that. In, you know, newspapers are you know companies that are owned by people. Yeah. Um, you know, if, you, if you've started a newspaper from scratch and you've worked 80 hour weeks for 30 years and you've taken it up to, the, to, to yeah. what's on the national stage, yeah. I think you probably deserve more of a say in that than some, you know, some, some, some worker who is, you know, maybe in, been in the company for two years, works yeah. a 14 hour a week, has no stake in it, no skin in the game. Yeah. Um, you know, why should, you know, that type of democracy is not respecting property rights. Yes. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I don't buy that at all. My second point is that they do the same thing with racism. If they can describe something as racist um, or, or as being anti-racist, if you're against that policy, yes. then well, then you must be a racist. Yes. So, for example, then you, the, the easiest example is, for example, shortlists or you know tokenism. Oh, there okay, like certain, the all women shortlists. Or exactly. Yeah, there, yeah. Must, there must be like a certain number of women or a certain number of ethnic minorities yeah. in, a, in a certain position and you could just make the point that well okay if we have numbers of these anyone from that point on who gets into that position people may think that they're there because of the tokenism and not yes. because of their ability if you make a point like that 
then you're automatically labelled a racist. So people shy away from making those points. Yes. And it's the same with democracy. If you can just describe something as paint democratic, it as democratic, yes. whether it is or it isn't, yes. then, well, you must be, you know, it must be anti-democracy and therefore yeah. evil. E- even though there are, as we've already highlighted, and we haven't even gone into the intricacies of the differences in some of the voting systems that have been um, bandied around as, as replacing first-past-the-post. Things like the alternative vote, or, or, or AV+, plus, uh, there's a difference there, single transferable vote. I mean, some of these systems are used for uh, other elections in the UK. The, the, the London mayority is one of those, but I can never remember which one. You can, you can play out scenarios where completely different people win, even though the number of votes cast are exactly the same. And yet they're all called democracy. And that's that. It's just too complicated, isn't it? But I get your point about um, the racist label. Uh, that's that's definitely another one. There are other ones as well. And it's just, it. I suppose the 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 problem I have is that because democracy was supposed to be about just choosing um, the people who you know who who, who rule. I hate using that term because <laughs> we don't want anyone to rule over us. Lord over us. Yeah, exactly. Um, that it's become itself a political tool. The the actual calling something democratic has become a way of bashing your enemies uh, in the same way that you can easily paint someone as uh, as racist by saying that something else is anti-racist and there are other, other terms like that as well. Um, but we've kind of gone off topic a bit with, uh, with that, haven't we? We have, but I think we can agree that just by you know, something that's described as democratic, yeah. uh, you, know, you can't necessarily know what it means. It's, it's yes. a, a huge umbrella term yeah. that can encompass a number of different systems. Uh, all of which have their complications, all of which have their positives and their negatives. Yes. Um, so there isn't just a, a case of saying, well, everything must be democratic. You know, we wouldn't, I wouldn't want to democratically choose which type of car I drive, for example. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's, it has its place, um, but it's not the, 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 the be-all and end-all. It's not the silver bullet for, for everything, yeah. by any means. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap up. Thank you for listening to Sounding Board. You can subscribe to us um, on our website, soundingboard.com. You can uh, like us and subscribe on iTunes, because if you like us, that's the only way we actually get to go in front of more people. Can you like things on iTunes? Well, I don't know. You, you I, must... think, I think you just give the, give us a, like a star rating. or Right. Give us five stars or whatever you do on iTunes and like or otherwise give us positive reviews on all the other platforms because in all seriousness you know the only way that other people will find us and we come up the rankings is if people like you who've enjoyed listening to this actually give us some feedback so and i assume if you got this far you do quite like listening so thank yeah. you very much see you next time